0: episode 96 of the divorce resource guy podcast is on tap today what we're going to talk about is getting your financial house in order so you can get the best results
1: welcome to the divorce resource guy podcast with jason lavoy aka the divorce resource guy a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach talking about all things divorce including the good bad and the ugly from an attorney's point of view remember you're not alone and now your host Jason
0: Lavoy. Hey everybody, it's Jason Lavoy, aka The Divorce Resource Guy, and we're here with episode 96 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. And so, yes, I am your host, Jason Lavoie. So today we're gonna talk about how to get your financial house in order. And my guest for today is none other than the Karen. D. sparks she's a certified divorce financial analyst she's also has a legal education and went to law school she's the principal and owner of divorce financial strategists in her capacity as a certified divorce financial analyst she is trained to provide expert financial services that are specifically targeted to the area of divorce and separation because finance is finance but divorce finance is its own little niche so i want to talk about that and why it's important Uh, for you in a divorce to make sure your financial house is in order, and maybe you need to be speaking with an expert like Karen. So without further ado, let's talk with Karen Sparks. Karen, I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you today?
1: Thank you, Jason. I'm so glad we were to connect and do this. I've been looking forward to it, so thank you for having me.
0: Yes, I've been uh, looking forward to this all summer long. This is being recorded in early September for those listening whenever. Um, and we waited, uh, most of the summer to get this done. So it's very exciting. So for those people who are not too familiar with you, Mm -hmm. give everybody a little bit of an idea about kind of your background, but kind of your, your path to where you are today and kind of how you got to this
1: point. Absolutely. So the high level of that from an educational point of view is that, um, I obtained my graduate degree in law. So I have attended law school and graduated there from, I have combined that education with, um, specific training for divorce finances. So I'm a certified divorce financial analyst. And uh, so my background has included uh, wonderful uh, legal assignments in both Northern and Southern California on on the trial side, in a lot of areas of the law, uh, and also in family law as well. And on the financial side, I um, have held positions as a CFO and lead financial person for small businesses in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so all of that intel. Uh, has been combined into a practice that I love. My business is divorce financial strategist, and I'm focused on helping families um, come through all of the allocations and decisions and planning that has to be made uh, with uh, divorces. I'm sorry, with finances in divorce. And I'm the proud mother of a now 26 year old uh, graduate of Northwestern. So go, cats, any of you mm. from the Midwest listening <laughs> to this? Um, and, uh, so, she's a McCormick engineering grad and, uh, currently has her own, uh, marketing, uh, business, uh, running it out of North Carolina. So I had to, I had to pitch my girl. There uh, you go. So no, I, of course. <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of, uh, my background. And, um, uh, personally, I love to cook, love to travel, uh, and love spending time with friends and family. So there you go.
0: So Karen, I have to ask you just out of curiosity as a fellow, uh, legal graduate, you you never practice law, correct?
1: I am not licensed to practice law and do not practice. That is correct.
0: So when you went to law school, did you did you want to go just for the education, or did you at some point have an intention on practicing and then just switch gears?
1: You know, I had um as we all do when we're young. I had a intention uh to sort of move forward, uh through the practice. I was uh, I had a lot of interesting mentors who were uh, judges on the bench, uh in Southern California. And so that had an appeal to me. And so I think in law school, I was originally looking at that. Uh, and then our family uh, kind of went through kind of a series of challenges. Uh, and I felt that that was not a career path that I could really achieve at that time. And so I decided to just make a switch, if you will. I don't know if it's necessary a switch, but it's more of a transition. And sort of transition and get my experience. Uh, and then sort of circle back, if you will. Uh, to an area that means a lot to me um, because this is an area that is so stressful for families. And so I wanted to make sure that I was able to have the training I needed. So as a fellow person of the law, you you know, uh, this education is valuable, Um, not from an advice point of view, but just simply from a knowledge point of view and being able to give my clients uh, a window into what they can expect. Uh, And then of course, sending them to the appropriate professional Uh, To get that legal strategy done.
0: Yeah, you and I are, I think, similar in that way where, you know, we both went uh, and obtained our uh, legal education. I did end up practicing, I became a divorce attorney for a period of time, but then realized that that wasn't working for me, but I wanted to still help in that space and circled back. And that's how I got into coaching. And you kind of circled and pivoted and went into divorce finance uh and yet you know here we are still helping people um and like you said knowledge really i hate to be so cliche but on the east coast here it's late in the day so i become more cliche as I guess I <laughs> but knowledge your, your is power
1: excuse. your excuse
0: <laughs> you know knowledge really is power when it comes to divorce and, and people right. going through it and so i think you and i are both you know about empowering people with that yes. knowledge as best we can and you know so they can make the best decisions right
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, the longer you do it, and I think you and I have been um, in in this area for quite some time. I've been in my practice for a little over 12 years now. The longer you do it, the more important, the more you see the importance of it uh, and the importance of being there for people at this time and really giving them that guidance and that that pathway um, that will have both uh, individuals, we hope. Um, leading the next iteration of their life um, in a in a as solid a way as possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about you and what you do and how you help uh, with some specific examples. Um, where do you usually come into the picture when people are getting divorced at the beginning, middle, or end of the process?
1: So my practice has developed organically, and so I have about um, a few answers to that question. Shoot, short answers to that question. Now go for uh, it. So I am uh, either sought by clients directly themselves, or brought in by family law attorneys who may be mediators or litigators and the like to begin working with clients uh, to get those that just to get started. So I'm brought in at the very beginning. In California, as we have in other states, there are initial financial documents that the parties need to fill out and every state calls them by a different name, but it's the same thing. Right. Um, it's basically the disclosures. So I'm usually brought in to start there and then my work continues as I continue to um, have documentation to determine what the uh, financial assets are for the family. So that whatever's in that bucket, I handle that. Uh, whether that's spousal support, child support, whether that is employee benefits in the form of uh, uh, employee stock options, RSUs, uh, stocks themselves, uh, handle the separate and community property interest if that's showing up in the family's finances. In the real estate, if someone's bought a property before marriage, uh, but that uh, property has you know followed that person into marriage and there may have been some marital contributions to that separate property, we need to kind of get that straight. Uh, we're working with a number of things, retirement assets and the like to just make sure that that's handled. So that's one way that I come in. Another way uh, that I come in is sometimes closer to the end uh, when folk are needing um, maybe there's some challenge on the alimony slash spousal support conversation. So I'm brought in to do what's either called a lifestyle analysis or a marital standard of living analysis in
0: right. order to
1: determine you know the base. So you're familiar with that, so you know what I'm speaking of there, right? Yeah, but you
0: know, a lot of people listening are not. So feel free to let talk me to explain
1: people. that. So for if you're in a situation where one or the other party is going to be receiving some sort of support for some period of time, and this is, I'm not talking about child support. Now, I'm talking about literally alimony, spousal support, right? In some cases, either there's temporary support that a person is receiving, so that means that the other party is voluntarily providing that, or it is court ordered. Some of you listening to this may be saying, hey, I'm not getting anything. Okay, so that's another category. Um, But what we want to do when the discussion gets to that point, and it gets to that point closer to the end, when we're trying to decide exactly how much money should the receiving party be getting, the way that we figure that out is performing a marital standard of living report. What does that mean? That means that a professional like myself is going back three to five years, taking a deep dive into the, the family's finances. I'm looking at tax returns. I'm looking at income and expenses. I'm looking at how you lived. And I'm coming up with a number that is a baseline so that, you know, one side saying one thing, another side saying another thing. My number is the baseline that we're going to be looking at in terms of determining what that spouse support number is going to be going forward post divorce. Uh, so I get involved in that. And finally, the third area, because you asked me when I'm brought in. The third area is, for lack of a better term, I'm calling it boutique work. I was brought in to, you know, determine the value of lost funds in a 401k when one spouse literally just took all the money out, took it out, gone. So they want to know. Yeah, it sort of happened. Money sort of disappeared. So um, I'm an expert witness at trial on that at the end of uh, October, uh, you know, providing uh, that uh, situation. Um, I've been brought in to deal with breach of fiduciary duty situations, you know, just really different in really unique situations. I have a current client, um, in the winery business and I'm kind of doing a flip on the lifestyle analysis. I'm actually paying it forward. So I'm doing a forward facing report, not a back looking report, um, for that family, um, so that they can begin to make some decisions on how they want to move forward. And so I, uh, you know, tend to get those. Uh, so that's kind of the last category. So yeah, that that that
0: is really niche, uh, work there. So do you do kind of like forensic accounting type of stuff?
1: I, I would call it light forensic accounting. As I say to people, um, one of the things that you want to look at is that if, there's, if, there is a, if there is evidence that there is a lot of money movement coming in and out, or maybe non-disclosure of large amounts of money, then you're going to want to think about bringing in that CPA slash forensic accountant. Uh, that's going to be a, a pretty strong expenditure for for you. So you're going to have to do the ROI on what you think is missing. And a lot of times this comes up uh, in areas when where there's been, um, uh, you know, adultery, people stepping out on the marriage, uh, money being spent in other areas and people wanting to find out how much marital resources actually walked away. Right. So you want to when you're looking at the forensic situation, I encourage clients to look at the ROI. How much are you thinking is at stake compared to how much you're going to have to pay to get it fixed? And if that's working, then that's the professional that you need to be hiring for that, right? So for myself, I can do um, evaluations of consulting businesses and service-related business in order to find income available for support. I can do that sort of thing. But when it levels up, as I just said, uh, to issues that are a little bit more complicated, there is a consideration of bringing in that CPA forensic uh, to kind of jump in there and let you know where all that is standing.
0: Gotcha. I'm so glad you, you you made that distinction. Now, you also talked about, at the, the beginning, the first way that you're brought in uh, to the fold is when both sides, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said both sides kind of bring you in uh, to do an analysis. Now, so in those situations, are you working for both both sides, or do you work for one spouse?
1: Yeah, so I was speaking of being brought in as the financial neutral on the marital standard of living or the lifestyle analysis. Generally, I'm hired as what we call a joint neutral. Um, so basically, both parties are retaining me uh, to do this work. There have been times when one or the other party has hired me uh, where I've worked for one of the other party. And in that situation, they normally each party is having their own marital standard of living analysis done. And then the reports come together, and we see, you know, where they cross and where they where they combine. But the most common way that I'm brought in is as a joint neutral. So both individuals are hiring me to do this work.
0: And are they hiring you themselves, or are you being appointed by the court?
1: I have not been uh, court appointed uh, to this date. So the clients are directly retaining with me uh, for those services uh, to be provided. So they're each signing my retainer agreement.
0: And I I think that's a great way to approach differences of opinion uh, in a, in a divorce situation, you know, hiring a joint expert like yourself versus each side paying the expense for their own expert. And then you can anticipate, I think pretty commonly that those reports are going to differ sometimes greatly. Um, And then you're, you're kind of left where you started. And then at that point, a court might order, A court-appointed person to do their own report. Now there's a third
1: person, right? And
0: and so you're paying for that, um, and then and then that report is what usually governs. And so you wasted your money with your separate report. So I I I like it when people can at least Um, find that commonality. That let's just hire one person. They're going to be a neutral, um, and it is what it is. You know, what the report we will abide it as long as it makes sense.
1: There was an interesting situation where. So the two things were going on i was hired by one of the one of the parties to actually critique the report that was done so they hired a joint neutral so this is what falls into that third category right so they hired a joint neutral the report was done one of the parties was like this is missing so much stuff (laughs) okay i'm not happy so his attorney sought me out and so i had to come in and review that report and then i had to produce my own report okay so that was an interesting engagement because I was critiquing another person's work, and then I had to come in and like do my own work. That case settled, as we say, on the steps steps of the courthouse. So I was scheduled to uh, appear at trial and ended up not having to do so. But that was a case where I did a sort of a an interesting approach to it. But yeah,
0: and 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 Karen, not to go down a rabbit hole on this one, but I'm curious, just as a Curious divorce coach. (laughs) When you did your own report and came to your own conclusions, did it differ greatly from the original report?
1: Um, I would say it did not uh, um, because there was anything wrong with that person's professionalism. Um, But to that partner's point, to that individual's point, there were things left out and then things were looked at in a little different way, right? And so that then did skew um, my results. And so those results were not conversant um, with the other report.
0: Right. Right. Gotcha. So let's talk about from your experience, what are like the big, the big ticket items that people going through a, a divorce deal with financially, um, that oh, you, that you help. I got with?
1: you. I you got Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Real estate, retirement and support.
0: Those are big threes.
1: Yeah. Those are big threes.
0: And let, let, a lot let's of... talk about each one real estate
1: okay so let's talk about real estate so um if you're living on the west coast where i do i think it's i don't think we even need to talk about it if we're if you're living on in either coast i don't think we need to talk about it but real estate is usually is usually huge for a client that's where a lot of their uh equity is yep. uh, sometimes families own more than one piece of property uh sometimes there's a you know family-owned property a lot of stuff going on but the real estate is huge and how we're dealing with that is a whole thing is, as you know from your coaching. There's a lot of emotionality attached to real estate in terms of who's staying, who's going, are we selling. So I'm working through all the options with my families. I don't just say, hey, this is what we're going to do. I'm like, we go through each one of the options to see which one actually is going to work best for that family because all of my all of my work with my client families is unique. I don't have a bullet. I don't I don't have a, a blueprint that applies to everybody. So I'm looking at Family A, and I'm going, what works for the real estate? So that's big bucket number one. Second big bucket um, for our, what we call midlife divorces, anywhere between, you know, 45, 65, 70. A lot of money has been put into retirement accounts. A lot of planning has been done around retirement. So some of those uh, accounts have high value points. And now with the divorce, uh, of course, there's going to be a division of those. Right. There's an issue about, How can we earn that money back is there time to earn that money back what is that going to look like are we going to offset it there's a lot of retirement account discussions in turn and also in addition to the traditional let's just divide the retirement accounts. there's a lot of other discussions that kind of go with that depending on how many assets are the family has all right we we touched a little bit on it with the marital standard of living but the issue of support huge huge if you have a spouse that's been out of the workforce for a while, voluntarily or through agreement, you know, in the marriage, um, their skill sets are legacy, depending on how old they are, how long is going to take for them to ramp up, how long is support going to be awarded for? Okay, what is that person really looking at? The closer a family is to quote unquote traditional retirement age, the more we're looking at at least case law in the jurisdiction where I practice. There is case law sort of on this. The closer you get to retirement, how are we dealing with support? So those are really uh, the big buckets. And since you brought it up, I will say that I serve clients in my home state of California, but nationwide uh, for the work that I do. And one of the things that I require for my out-of-state clients is that they have uh, someone like yourself who can uh, lead them to counsel in the area uh, because we walk alongside that person with the work we're doing so that we're conversant with statutory and case law there's no need of us coming to some decisions about assets and it cannot be enforced in the jurisdiction where the right. <laughs> where the divorce is going to be processed what is the point in that um so for my out-of-state uh, clients outside the state of california that is my business practice uh, to make sure that they have that uh, financial pro- i'm sorry that professional in place
0: that i'm I'm so glad you mentioned that because i was going to ask you that um but you you just went right into it and and that's great so you do work with people outside of California, um, now in addition to, let's say you work with somebody in New Jersey. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm in New Jersey. Um, okay. Let's say they're working with me, and yeah. I help them yeah. find yeah. an attorney. Uh, yeah, right. That's this. This is a good deal already. I'm liking, I'm
1: liking this story already. I All mean, right, this is good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they,
0: they and then I help them get an attorney, as I do as a coach often um, here in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and that attorney is in communication then with you correct that is Um, correct and do you require because i would is is that good enough for you the attorney can kind of counsel you on the state-specific statutes whether it's regarding alimony or or
1: one of the things the first thing i i do in situations whether it's here or outside of here is when counsel is involved i Uh, ask for that introduction. In your case, you would you would provide that introduction by working with you. Um, But yeah, we would have that conversation because, for example, New Jersey is an equitable distribution state, not a community property state. So I'd want to know statutorily what is New Jersey doing? And I'm sure that the attorney would just volunteer that. Um, But I would we would have those discussions. I would be asking some key questions on some asset classes to make sure that I'm, you know, in the right headspace. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm looking at this the right way. So definitely we would be having those conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then once you are clear on kind of the, the state specific procedures and the law, um, then it's just numbers, right? Then you do what you do.
1: Then I do, do what I do. Um, yeah. And I keep uh, their attorney in the loop uh, as we're coming through uh, decisions that we're making. Um, and uh, however the attorney wants to see my work product, I'm happy to produce it. If they want to see some reports, if they want to see maybe a draft settlement agreement, however they want me to deal with it, I fold into whatever their practice uh, priorities are and what they want to see from me. Uh, I provide that. And so that's how we work.
0: Yeah, I love it. So time flies when you're having fun. Um, So we're about to wrap up. But before we do, I figured I love ending uh, my podcast with this question. So I'm going to do it with you. All right. What would be your biggest tip or tips you choose um, that you think people need to heed when going through a divorce from a a financial point of view, of course?
1: Okay. I think the biggest tip, and this is probably the hardest one to do, but I'm still going to put it out there. Um, Whether you're on the receiving end of this movement or you're actually filing, one of the things that you want to think about is the other person and also who do you need? What is it that you really need? You know, before you start. And as a coach, you know this, to really sort of think through your situation, think through your priorities. What is going to be important now that this conversation is on deck? What's important to you? A lot of people don't inner focus They just, they're reactionary, but they don't inner focus As a coach, you understand this. So one of the tips that I would say is please take that time, you know, please take the time to do that introspection. I know it's an emotional space and in some cases a shocking space, so we're kind of riveting, but um, take that space to do that. And then secondarily, my second tip very quickly as we close is make sure that you know where all your financial documents are, whether they're uh, cloud-based or paper-based. Make sure that you're getting all that information together because I'm going to need it. Your attorney's going to need it. Your coach is going to need it. Everybody's going to need it to be able to help you. So look within and take care of your paperwork. Those are two things I would say.
0: You know, if I had scripted this and provided you with the answers that I wanted, which, by the way, I did not. Right. I did not.
1: He's making he's making that point, y'all. He did not.
0: (laughs) I did not. Right. But you agree. I didn't do it. But This is not scripted at all. Those those would be the best answers that I could come up with, because I preach that all the time. You know, you got to do the work internally. Right mm-hmm. to just get through this process and, and move on from an emotional standpoint, and 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 during the process, and organization is key, um, and, and that goes back to preparation. You know, the earlier you can prep and get those documents while you have access to them, um, exactly. You know, is so important. And everybody you work with, all the professionals you work with, will love you to death because you're so organized. And when they ask for something, you can give it to them right away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I love it, Karen. That is that is okay. gold. You just made my day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so l-
0: let everybody know where they can find you and learn more about you.
1: Absolutely. So uh, the name of my business is Divorce Financial Strategist. Uh, you can reach me by phone uh, at my office at area code 650. The number is 201-6311. You can also reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn as well. And my email is uh, CDFA at Divorce Financial Strategist, with an S at the end. It's plural.com.
0: And all that information will also be in the show notes. So if you're in the car or at the gym working out, don't worry about it. You will find it there. Karen, thanks so much. You were a great guest. We dropped a lot of knowledge. And I think everybody will be uh, very appreciative. And hopefully they enjoyed this interview as much as I did. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me again, Jason.
0: All right, that was a great conversation with Karen Sparks. If you have any questions, you know how to find her. The importance of getting your financial house in order during divorce cannot be overstated. So if you are getting divorced, thinking about it, planning for it, or are in the middle of it, and you're looking for help from a coach like myself, please reach out, Jason at JasonLavoy.com, and I will help answer your questions and see how I can maybe help you. Also... If you like what you're hearing in the podcast, please leave a kind review on iTunes. That would be so much appreciated. It helps spread the word. I would very much appreciate that. So stay tuned for the next episode. Catch up on previous episodes if you are finding this podcast a little uh, bit in the middle. There's tons of new episodes uh, and on every topic that you can think of regarding divorce. So have at it. Also, if you ever think of a topic that you want to hear more about that is not already there, reach out, let me know. I'm always looking for new and exciting twists and turns, uh, and things to talk about with everybody. So that's all I have to say on that subject. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident and stay positive I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.